how's everybody doing tonight? What a wonderful time with the Lord, right? Carolyn, I got a verse for you. <clears throat> Where'd she go? What? I should have gave it to her. Anyways, I'll give it to somebody. Maybe it's for somebody else. Um, I think it's for her too. But somebody sent me this verse for um, my birthday yesterday. And you know how sometimes you read things, but you don't really read them. And then you read them again. And you're like, wow, that's really good. Well, Psalm 45, verse 10, it says this. It says, now listen, daughter, pay attention and forget about your past. Put behind you every attachment to familiar, even those who once were close to you. Verse 11, it says, For your royal bridegroom is ravished by your beautiful brightness. Bow in reverence before him, for he is your Lord. Isn't that good? You guys can take it. That's a, that's a good one. It's really cool to read things in uh, different translations, don't you think? How many do that? Well, I was at a silent retreat on Tuesday. You guys are like, yeah, what in the world is that? It is the best thing in the entire world. Um, it was in Watoma. You guys know where Watoma is? In the middle of nowhere, if you're wondering. But anyways, it's really a cool thing. It's like a 48-hour thing, and, and I've determined to do that once a year for myself just because there's no cell phones. They take your cell phone, and it's literal silence. You don't, nothing. And it's really amazing. And so before you go into, into silence, we do worship and then they, we do like a prayer. And the, am, I, am I loud? I feel loud. Okay, because I get, I get loud when I get passionate. So, and I'm going to probably get passionate here pretty soon. So, um, But anyway, so we're getting into this. So they start praying. And I, the minute I closed my eyes, I saw a vision. And how many saw the movie The Shack or read the book The Shack? I know it's controversial. Sorry about that, but I really enjoyed it. Um, but I closed my eyes, and I, I saw a vision of The Shack, and I was in The Shack. And I was like, well, that's weird, you know. And I don't know why I knew it was The Shack. You know, sometimes you see things you just kind of know. Are you guys familiar with it? Who, who's not familiar with it? Just a few. Okay. Well, anyways, read the book or watch the movie. It's great. But anyways, I had a vision of myself in the shack, and I'm like, Lord, what is this? And so, um, you know, they kept kind of going with the prayer, and I remembered in the book or the movie both that Mac, the guy, and you got to read it to know it if you don't know it. Anyways, Mac asked the father, he said, why did you bring me back here? Because the shack is a place that something really bad happened to his daughter. His daughter was <laughs> his daughter was his daughter was was killed there. And he was he's like, why did you bring me back here? And the father said this. He said, I had to take you back to the place that you got stuck. And I thought, oh no, it's going to be one of those two days. <laughs> with the Lord, you know, getting me unstuck. Anybody in here ever feel stuck? Like you're wondering what in the world is going on? Like, and it's funny because I was, as I was thinking, meditating on that, I'm like, I was th trying to think, you know, I don't really know, you know. And then I remembered writing in my journal, 
saying that, I don't know what's going on, but I feel stuck. You know, not like bad. It wasn't like sin. It wasn't like anything, whatever. But it was just like, almost like a wall. You ever feel that? Like there's a wall, like there's just something missing or something, whatever, but it's stuck. And it's like something I couldn't move past. And so anyways, so we went on this journey for two days and the Lord, I ignored it for a while. I, you know, I wrote it down, but then I ignored it and did other things and read other books and, and things like that. But so he really revealed some personal things to me about places that I got stuck. And it's interesting because you think that you get over, over your childhood. How many in here have had a childhood? We all have had a childhood. Mine wasn't so great, but you think, you know, being 54, that you've really dealt with things, and then he started revealing areas in my life that I was, I was stuck, and I needed to forgive, and I needed to work through some things, but anyways, I won't get into that, but I realized that sometimes we really get stuck right here, in our, the way that we think, right? There's a scripture in Acts that says, I think it was Peter that says, King Agrippa, or Paul, can't remember, but it says, King Agrippa, I think myself happy. Look it up. It's in there. I think it's Acts somewhere. Somebody can Google it. I think myself happy. And sometimes I believe that we, I'm, I was thinking about this, this, this thing of hopelessness. And I don't know if it's just the time of the year where it feels like holidays, it's like when people have lost somebody or it just can become a, a time where it makes us sad. And it's this thing of hopelessness. And it's like the world is hopeless because they don't have Jesus, but the church shouldn't be hopeless, right? But we have that. There's a feeling sometimes of hopelessness. So anyway, so then I kind of started meditating and thinking about that. And then I, I, love, I love Christmas and I love Easter. Easter, I love the Easter candy. I don't know why. It's just a weird thing. It must be something to do with, I don't know why. I just love all the Easter candy. Give me all the eggs, all the Easter candy. But in, I love Christmas too, and I love the Christmas story. And my favorite part is this. In Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14, because I always put myself in this. You guys ever watch the, right now, the, what do you call that, the northern lights and stuff, I guess, are really, really amazing right now? But this is what I picture whenever the, the shepherds have this encounter. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. I think that's the northern lights. You know, that's what, I, that's what I picture. It's like, it's got to be like that. Because, you know, right? An angel, you're out. Because the shepherds are in the field at night, and they don't have street lights, right? You ever go someplace where it's really dark, and there's, like, no light? Like, it's really dark. Like, you get up to go to the bathroom, and there's no light, and you're trying to find your way, you know? Okay, so it's dark. And then that angel appears, and it, they must have been afraid because it says they were terrified, Verse 10 says, but the angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Say good news. Okay. Jesus came to earth as a baby to bring good news. And the good news is that we can have joy and we can have hope 
where there's no hope and there's no joy. You guys are going to have to give me a little bit more of that tonight. I know you're tired. I know you're hungry, but I need a little bit more. I'm Cajun. I need just a little bit more of, uh-huh, yeah, get your white hanky out. I'm from the South, so we do a lot of hankies. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The birth of Jesus, why we celebrate Christmas, why he came as a baby. He didn't stay a baby, but he came and he was born to bring good news of great joy. Say joy. joy. Where is joy in the church? Yeah, down in my heart. Where? No, seriously. I know we have moments, guys. I know I've had them. We've had, we can have moments of hopelessness. We can have, but what we have to realize is hopeless, hopelessness is not your identity. You are not hopeless. Your circumstance might be hopeless, but you, my friend, have the hope of all nations living inside of you. Hey, wave that hanky. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snuggly. I love that, snuggly. Jesus was snuggly. I wonder what he looked like as a baby. How many love babies? We have like three ladies that are due the same time, the end of May. There's one up there. And we've got a couple more. I don't know if they've made an announcement yet, so I sometimes just whatever. Anyways, okay. And you will find him wrapped in, in snuggly. You will wrap, bleh, bleh, find a baby wrapped in snuggly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. In verse 13, suddenly, this is my favorite part. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. I imagine they all sang it. Can you imagine? You could, do you guys like read the word and like imagine, imagine it like you're there? So pretend that you're a shepherd with a hook and the shepherd's hook thingy, you know. I, I decorated today for Christmas. I didn't do very much. And I've got the little willow tree thingies, you know, that are the Christmas nativity thingy. And I grabbed them to put on my mantle, fireplace thingy, and I noticed that the shepherd's hook was broke. I thought, hmm, I don't know where it went, but anyways, don't matter. That was a side note. Um, yeah, so imagine you're a shepherd in the field taking care of your sheep, and it's dark, and an angel comes to you, just poof, says, don't be afraid, so they were terrified, right? And then an army of heaven's host comes with the angel. Now, I have gotten announcements in the mail, you know, about a baby being born. I guarantee none of you who've had babies have had this kind of announcement. Angels dance when you were born, but they didn't come and they didn't sing to the shepherds. Right? So angels come and this is the, this is the announcement of Jesus that he came to bring you great joy and bring peace and to bring you hope. That is what we have. Does it mean that our circumstances are always going to look like that? Does it mean that we're always going to feel like that? No. 
But we have to remember to detach my feelings from the truth. And the truth is that I have the hope of all nations inside of me. Right? If you, everybody in here born again or somebody not born again, we can get you born again right now. Then you'll have that hope inside of you. Okay, you're all good. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Can I just say something that God is pleased with you? Somebody needs to hear that. God is pleased with you. God is pleased with me. It took me years to believe that God was pleased with me because I thought it was in what I was doing and not in my hooing. I thought I had to do something to be, be pleasing to God when really I am pleased, pleased, pleasing to him. Thank you. Just put your hand on your heart and say, I and pleasing to the Lord. Thank you. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hopelessness can make our heart sick. Anybody in here ever feel hopeless? You ever feel like you're just like, what am I going to do? We can't deny that these things that hope, the things happen that can cause hopelessness. But we cannot give hopelessness power in my life. I cannot allow, listen to me, I cannot allow hopelessness, the things going on out here, to have power in my life. Say yes. When, hope, when I attach hopelessness to my identity, that's where I become weary, frustrated. I doubt God. Anybody in here ever doubt God? I have. I doubt his word. We become depressed. We become anxious. We isolate. Any, but any isolators in here? We can be in a room with hundreds of people and be isolated. That's hopelessness. That's hopelessness. And it starts, I believe, it starts here in the way that I think. It's a, this is a really funny story. I was on an airplane once, and I can't remember where I was going now, but I remember sitting in this airplane, and there was this lady sitting not just a couple rows in front of me, and close enough that I could hear her, her conversation. And she was talking about what she did for her job and just going on about all the travels that she did and all the things that, you know, all this crazy stuff. And it was... The, craziest thing I started thinking about how worthless I was like because this woman you know she did all these amazing things and had an amazing job and made amazing money and traveled the world and you know she was cute and let me you know but it was so interesting how listening to that conversation my mind started going and I started thinking about how worthless I was, that the things that I did didn't mean anything. What did I do with my life? Anybody ever do that? What am I do? I do nothing with my life. What am I doing with my life? So I'm sitting there on this plane, and I started feeling hopeless. I started feeling like I didn't matter. I started feeling like the things that I do didn't matter. I started feeling like, why am I even here? And then I started thinking, well, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to go back and just do, you know, blah, just all these things. And I was like 
in this pit that fast. And it was like the Holy Spirit let me do that for a minute. And then all of a sudden I was like, he was like, um, what are you doing? And I remember sitting there going, what was that? And I think it was the Lord showing me how quick we can get ourselves in a pit and feel like we don't matter. All because I listened to somebody and the devil started making me feel, who do you think you are? See, you didn't do anything with your life. You live in Cameron. You live in Cameron, Wisconsin. You've done nothing. You didn't go to college. You don't have a degree. You don't have anything. You're not smart. What do you th- who do you think you are? Anybody ever hear those things or something similar? Those are, say lies. Those are lies. But what happens is when I partner with the lie and I allow the lie to become bigger than the truth, it equals hopelessness. It equals me believing that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Nobody really likes you. They're just being nice to you because you're married to Bob. They really don't like you. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy thinking. But that is that it becomes, listen, when I stay in, listen to me, when I stay inside my head and I allow the stinking thinking, then I believe the stinking thinking to be truth. And I can prove that truth and it can become confirmed by one stupid thing. And I confirm it. See, I knew it. Nobody likes me. I'm worthless. I don't matter. You know, and then Bob gets some big revelation. I'm like, oh, see, there we go. I'm a worm. You You guys get it? Hopelessness is a real thing. Listen, it's, it's a real thing. But I want to just throw this out there. Could it be that we are hopeless because we're thinking wrong thoughts? We're entertaining things that we should not be entertaining. I, heard, I was reading this book on leadership. It's called Pull, Don't Push. It's a really great book on my 48-hour can't talk. It's amazing how many things you can read in 48 hours when you can't talk and don't have any technology. I read like two books and I read like so much in the Bible and it was just amazing. But anyways, he said this. He said, said, when I start feeling sorry for myself on my worst day, I think about Jesus' worst day. And it changes my perspective. What was Jesus' worst day? I encourage you to watch the passion. Jesus died. He came, he died, and he rose to come and live inside of us. The hope of all nations. The hope. Say hope. Hope is a person, and he lives inside of you. I love Ezekiel 37. How many love Ezekiel 37? I'm going to read it from the the message translation. I don't know if this was a literal valley with skeletons in it or if it was just a vision that Ezekiel had 
that the Lord was showing him that this was how the children of Israel were, were feeling. They were feeling hopeless. They felt like they were dry. They were just ripped up and there was no hope left for them. So let's read it. God grabbed me. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain strewn with bones. He led me, away, he led me around among them, a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones. You get it? Dry bones. Bleached by the sun, he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, master God, only you know that. He said to me, prophesy over those bones, those dry bones. Listen to the message of God. God the master told the dry bones, watch this. I'll bring the, the breath of life to you and you'll come to life. I'll attach the sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. So I prophesied just like I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound and oh, a rustling. Where am I? The bones moved. I always get really messed up on that part because I just think that song rattle, you know, the rattling. Can you just hear that rattling going on? There was this rattle. The bones moved and came together bone to bone. The skin stretched over them, uh, but they had no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath. God the master says, come from the four winds. Come breath. Breathe on these slain bodies, breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they. That was weak. They what? They came alive. No hope. They felt hopeless. They came alive and they stood up on their feet, a huge army. See, here's the problem the enemy wants to keep you dry bones, without life, without breath. Because when you come alive, you become an army of God that's going to do damage to the kingdom of God. Amen. That's why he wants to keep us hopeless. Say, I'm not hopeless. You're not hopeless. Then God said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they're saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone and there's nothing left for us. Therefore, prophesy and tell them. God the master says, I'll dig up your graves and bring you out alive. He is going to bring you out alive. He came so that you would live, not die. He, took our, he died for us in our place so that we could live and not live hopeless. Listen, I can have hopeless out here. I can see hopeless. I've dealt with hopelessness. I, I get it, yes. But hopelessness is not me. I'm not hopeless. It says that when we go through trials, it says to count it all joy. It says to count it all joy. I can be happy in trials. I can be happy when there's hopelessness because hope lives in me. This is why knowing who you are in Christ is vital in this time. If I don't know who I am, I'm not going to know that I've got the joy living in me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering. We want to skip that one. Long-suffering. We want to like, Lord, I don't want to suffer too long. And he's like, ha, huh? 
long-suffering. But the Holy Spirit lives where? In me. Man, this is so good. I would like to ask you a question. What are you prophesying over yourself? I'm telling you one thing. You are prophesying something every time you open your mouth over your life. Every single time you say something about your life, it's prophesying. Read Numbers 13. Remember the, those 10 guys, the spies, you know, the 12 spies, they saw the same things. There was 10 of them that just decided that they wanted to focus on the giants. And they started talking about all the negative things that were going to happen in their life. And God said, hey, I'm going to let that happen to you. And they died in the wilderness. What are you prophesying over your life? What words are you saying? If it does not line up with the word of God, then you're prophesying death to your life. Jesus came so that you can have life. When I feel hopeless, I need to say, you know what? I feel hopeless, but I'm not hopeless. God, I thank you that you have a plan for my life. I thank you that your plan for my life is good. I thank you, God, that you're going to take care of this because it says in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good. Huh. All things, say all things, work together for good. The problem is, is you try to figure it out. How many of you try to figure out how God's going to do something? How does that work for you? It doesn't. Because he never does it the way you try to figure it out. Because he's God. Our job is just to love him, to surrender to him, and to prophesy to the dry bones and say, dry bones, you are going to live. Say, I'm going to live. Lord, I believe. I love Jeremiah 29. We're going to read that. You guys ready? Do you know that this scripture here, everybody knows it. I know the plans for you have, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and are good. Do you know that that is in between when they're in captivity? Most of these promises were written while they were in captivity. This is amazing. This is why we know where it's, it's coming from. It says this, Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. I'm reading this in the message as well. It says, this is God's word on the subject. I love that. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, in other words, you are going to be in captivity for 70 years. But I will show up and I will take care of you as I have promised. God's promise to you is he will take care of you. Why do bad things happen to good people? I have no idea. We live in a fallen world. It's never God's plan for you to have things done to you. Not God's plan. Sometimes our stupid choices put us in a place where we have a consequence of something bad. But God does not do bad things to good people. I'm going to get that straight. I'll show up for you and I'll take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I am doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. God has never abandoned you. 
Your feelings are lying to you when you feel like God has abandoned you. He's never abandoned you. Never. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, listen, somebody needs to hear this. When you call on me and you pray to me, I will listen. When you call out to God, he hears you. Say, say, when I call out to God, he hears me. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure that you won't be disappointed. And I will turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from the countries into which I drove God's decree, bring you home to the place from which I sent you off to exile. You can count on it. In other words, God is going to do what God said he's going to do. You can take it to the bank. It's like a CD, not a CD, but a CD that you take to the bank and they give you money for it. You know the problem is? We don't believe it. We have a problem believing God. Right? Believe. Here you go. John 14, 1, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, or agitated. I love that. This is the Amplified. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. We, as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, you're his bride. He's coming back one day, right? Jesus is coming back. I have no idea what that looks like. I think I'm going to be a shepherd in the field, and he's going to, like, show up, and I'm going to pass out. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You guys ever imagine with Jesus coming? I've never had a visitation from Jesus, but I'd like to, but just, like, alive, not dead yet. I don't want to die yet. Jesus is coming get me anyways. Okay. Do not let your heart be troubled. I love this scripture because it says this. Don't let. In other words, it's up to you if you're going to let trouble come into your heart. And it starts in what you're thinking. When bad things happen, when things happen, do you, do you meditate on that thing over and over and over and over and over until you are, you, nobody can stand you because now you're a crab pickle. I was going to say crab butt, but I can't say that. So I say crab pickle. So you go over this thing in your head. Now the, the world is against you. Everybody hates you. Kind of like my, my story with the lady in the plane. Listen, we have to take captive the thoughts that we think. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, it says that as a man thinks in his heart, he becomes. What? Your thinking determines the person you become. And we think nobody can see my thoughts except God. So we don't pay attention to what we're thinking and we allow ourselves to keep thinking things that we shouldn't be thinking. And it affects my emotions. So now I put myself in a place of hopelessness, a place of depression, anxiety. Sometimes you ever get like, anxious and you're like where did that come from and all of a sudden you realize you're thinking about things that you 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 know what fear is fear is false evidence appearing real isn't that something worry is just basically thinking about the wrong thing too much that's what worry is 
when we believe in God and we trust in him, then we will start thinking the right things. This is important about prophesying over your life. We need to get the word of God in us to a point. Amy, I'll have you go to the piano. The word of God in us so that we can speak those things out. This time of the year, I would imagine, everybody, maybe not everybody, but some might get a little bit anxious about finances. We the, am I the only one? You know, like, you know, because it's like, oh, I've got to buy so-and-so present. I probably should buy so-and-so presents. It's like, okay. No, in, no, I'm the only one. Okay. I'm the only one. Okay, thank you. I'm so relieved. Oh, thank you, God. I was taking care of everything. But listen, I, with my words, that's called, we got to have wisdom. Don't go use your credit card. Don't go do crazy things. But I start prophesying to myself, my God will supply all of my needs. God, these are my needs, and you said you're going to supply. So we trust him, right? What are you prophesying over your life? Ezekiel did, he said this, I did as I was commanded. I did what I was commanded and I prophesied to the bones and the bones came alive. Some of us got to look in the mirror and got to remind ourselves that God, your plans for me are good. I may not see it, I may not understand it, but I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to trust you that you have my best interest. And if this door closed, then I trust you that this, this door is going to open or this door is going to open. Because your plans for me are better than I can ever think or imagine. I love this in Colossians 1.27, I think it is. It says that there's this secret and this mystery. Paul talks about there's this secret you want to know what the secret is and this mystery that Christ lives inside of me, the hope of glory. If, all, if you memorize just that scripture, it'll change your life. It's a mystery. It's this secret. What's the secret sauce? The secret sauce is a little garlic sauce, Cajun garlic sauce. It's really good. The secret is that Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, lives and dwells inside of me. And he says that I've got a plan for you, and I've got a purpose for you. And that plan and purpose never died. You may have feel, you may feel like things have died because certain things have happened in your life. That's a lie. Don't partner with the lie. We renounce the lie and we speak truth and we speak it until. You speak it until. Listen, don't. Oh. Do you know that I talked about Elijah a few weeks ago? You know, remember Elijah? He said, I hear the rain, Ahab. Go and get ready. Remember? Three and a half years of drought. Elijah, he's like, I hear it. Why did he hear it? Because God said it. In 18.1, God said to, to Elijah, I'm going to bring rain. 
Verse 47 or 41, whatever it is, Elijah says, hey, I hear the rain. Ahab, you go get ready, and Elijah walks up the mountain. Somebody Googled it for me, and it takes 10 hours to walk up Mount Carmel. You guys remember that story? And his servant went up there, and he's like, hey, go check to see if there's a cloud. The servant up 10 hours, down 10 hours to go see, up 10 hours. So it probably took about three weeks. And Elijah prayed until he saw a little teeny cloud the size of a man's hand. And he knew he had it. Listen, some of us give up way too easy. If God said it, your job is to believe it. And then prophesy it. Some of you have had words spoken over your life when you were little. And you haven't seen those things come to pass. I would like to challenge you, and I'd like to say maybe they haven't come to pass because you put them away. It's time to get those things out. Put them before you and prophesy to yourself. Prophesy to your situation. It's what the Word of God says to do. And Tim, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, war with the words that were given over you. That is going to take care of hopelessness, I'm telling you. Hopelessness is out there. It's out there. You just got to just go to Walmart. Good night. Yeah, and then, you know, don't go to Walmart. You know, people, there's hopelessness. People are hopeless without Jesus. If the church is hopeless, then what's the world going to do? I'm here to encourage you guys and empower you. Do not listen to the lie that you're hopeless. You have the hope of the nations inside of you. Your job is to believe it, to prophesy it, until you see it change. Just shake your head like this. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Why don't you guys stand up? The hope of glory, the secret, this mystery lives inside of us. Man, that's so good. Oh, Lord, we just thank you. Jesus, we thank you for being born. We thank you that we have the opportunity to focus in, the month of December, to focus in on your birth and what you came for. And you, Jesus, are the hope of what the nations need. You're the hope for the church. And God, I pray that every single one of these here and watching online would grasp that hopeless things might happen, but I am not hopeless. My identity is the hope of glory lives inside of me. And God, I thank you that these people are going to grab these words, they're going to get in the word, and they're going to start prophesying life, and they're going to start prophesying prosperous things that are going to happen in their life. I'm not talking about a name it, claim it thing. I'm talking about the word of the Lord. If he said it, we can believe it. If it's in the word, we can attach ourselves to it. Anything that is in that word is ours. So God, I thank you this is a season that we're rising up out of a place of hopelessness, out of a place of depression. Isaiah 60 says this it says arise from the state the arise from the pro, from the depression that the circumstances have brought you in 
Arise and shine. That is, the, that is what is, we're called to do. So God, I thank you that we're coming in that season. The church is arising into her identity of who she is and what she has in her, who she has in her. And we're going to see the word of God come alive. So Lord, I thank you. Bless them. In Jesus' name, visit them. Give them dreams and visions. In Jesus' name. And the body says, amen. We'll have the ministry team up here if anybody needs prayer. But God bless you. Have a great night. And we'll see some of you tomorrow.